Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vicini. We're presented by The Athletic. Just a quick heads up before we get into this podcast. Tony Jones and I ended up recording for about three hours today. And I'm not going to release three-hour podcasts. I tend to release, you know, hour 45 to two-hour podcasts from time to time. But three hours is just too much. Luckily, it broke in a really good way to where it was easily changeable so that I could cut a chunk of it and put it as a second podcast to come on Tuesday. That one will be mostly on the NBA draft. You'll hear us kind of reference, you know, hold on, wait, uh, let's have that discussion later. You know, we talk about Trey Jones, we talk about Patrick Williams in that second half of the podcast, but in the first half here, we're going to do the Northwest Division breakdown and preview. We are going to talk about the Denver Nuggets, Utah Jazz, Portland Trailblazers, Oklahoma City Thunder, and the Minnesota Timberwolves. And we focused a lot on Minnesota early because they're the number one overall pick. And they're the team that's basically on the clock this offseason. So keep it locked here. It's a really fun podcast. And... Don't uh, get too annoyed whenever you hear us reference, oh, there's something coming later. It will come. It'll just come on Tuesday because that'll be the second part of this two-part episode with Tony Jones. So now let's jump right in. Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vicini. We're presented by The Athletic today on the show. Good friend of the program, Tony Jones, is in the building. Tony and I are going to talk a little bit about the NBA draft because there are very few beat writers out there who follow the NBA draft as closely as Tony does. Tony could very easily do my job if he so chose that path. And then we're also going to talk about the Northwest Division and an off-season preview for the Denver Nuggets, Oklahoma City Thunder, Utah Jazz, Portland Trailblazers, and Minnesota Timberwolves. Tony, how you doing, man? I am good. I'm 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 uh, I'm I'm eagerly anticipating the last week that we will have like little work to do, and then you know, and then the off-season will pretty much be over. Um. See now, I- I've got nine days of misery. In terms of work left. And then I've got the off season, which I'm hoping will get done within, you know, 10 to 12 days, given how quickly the training camp turnaround is going to be. I, uh, <laughs> I will be taking a little bit of a break after that, Tony. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> well, see, that's, that's the thing. Like you're the draft guru and I'm the beat writer. So I'm like, well, our season is about to be done. And you're like, what do you mean, dog? Like <laughs> the draft is nine days away. We've been doing this. We've been going full bore, but I have to say it, it has, I've actually, you know, like you said, I've been diving into uh, my draft coverage or my, you know, as much draft coverage as I can do. And, and it's, you know, it's been a lot, but it's been fun. Yeah, no, I, I mean, obviously I love the NBA draft. I mean, I, I'm going to have to jump right in pretty quickly to 2021 
that cycle because the college season is supposed to start like November 25th, Thanksgiving weekend. We'll see if that happens. I mean, I think that there's still some uncertainty with schedules, which Mm -hmm. uh, is not what you want to hear two weeks from when the season is going to start. But nonetheless, uh, college basketball continues to be just an abject train wreck. And then the other problem I had this past week is I'm sure everyone else had the problem. I was just like not nearly as productive as I needed to be. Uh, wild just crazy week because of the election and now all that i'm doing is just refreshing twitter refreshing twitter waiting for like the ten thousand word expose that someone in philadelphia is going to write about rudy giuliani scheduling a press conference at four seasons total landscaping as opposed to the four seasons (laughs) hotel uh that was one of the most bizarre press conferences that that you will ever see but i think the the the, the scary thing is that once this season once this week starts to go uh get underway it's going to get a little bit more bizarre or maybe even a lot more bizarre um i, I just really yeah. need every single detail about how that happened like Joe Biden, his speech was amazing. Kamala Harris's speech was exceptional, I thought, yesterday. And after those were done, all that I wanted was wall-to-wall CNN coverage with, like, I wanted Chris Cuomo and Phil Mattingly breaking down every single frame of Rudy Giuliani yelling about the networks calling the election. Like, I, I want I want wall-to-wall coverage of this event. I want to know how long the crematorium has been there, the one that it's next to. I want to know how long the Fantasy Island uh, adult bookstore has been there. I want to know every single plausible detail. I want to know specifically as well, who answered the phone at Four Seasons Total Landscaping? How did this conversation go? Did they think it was the Four Seasons Hotel and just made a mistake? (laughs) Did the people at Four Seasons Total Landscaping just play along with it? Like, I need to know everything. I really just need to know everything. Yeah, I I think I think that would be like fun to dissect. Um, But I really want I just I really want to see um you know, some kind of concession and I don't think we're going to get it. (laughs) Um, you know, and that's why I think that things are going to get, you know, just a lot more, you know, bizarre, uh, as, as the, as the next, as the next few days go by. Yeah. If that, so I think you're right. I think you're right. (laughs) You know, it's going to be interesting, but, um, and and you know like i said like you said that you know the the press conference was bizarre and and rudy's taken a real heel turn um in the last decade and that's been that's been pretty interesting as well rudy giuliani honestly like there are so many great television shows out there like what we do in the shadows right now is probably my favorite television show in terms of just like pure comedy like laughs per minute i get so many more laughs per minute when rudy giuliani does like anything than i do than with any other tv show it is exceptional how much he just continues to just fail across the board it's amazing but speaking of failing across the board let's do 
the preview of off seasons first. And I want to start with Minnesota because to get the number one overall pick, ostensibly, you have to fail across the board on some level, right? They went 19 and 45 last year. They swung a trade for D'Angelo Russell to, uh, I guess, fill the point guard position slash the hole in Carl Anthony Towns's heart uh, to play with one of his friends. Did you like that trade at the time, Tony? Um, I, you know, I, I did like the trade at the time. I, I, I think, um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you want your best player to be happy. Right. And, you know, one of the, one of the universal make your best player happy guy moves is to, bring a guy in that your best player wants to play with or a guy in that, you know, or, an, or a guy in that, that, you know, your best player really, you know, likes and is really friends with. And, and I think that that was, you know, a, a good move for, for Minnesota. I don't think it did anything for them defensively, but obviously he's a dynamic pick and roll player. Uh, he's a dynamic playmaker. He's a dynamic shooter. He's a dynamic offensive talent. Uh, overall, you know, so it, it's, it's incumbent. I don't mind the fit, even though the fit is bad defensively, um, because both of those guys are bad defensively. But if you build around them well enough, then yeah, don't, you know, that, that can work and it, and it can thrive, which is why, you know, which is one of the reasons why I probably wouldn't draft LaMelo ball number one. Just because yeah. that's not the, that's just not the best fit to go with those guys. So, you know, that's, that's probably why I would take either Wiseman or I would take Anthony Edwards if I were, if I were Minnesota. You know, it's just, you know, if all three of those guys are, are on a similar level, uh, talent wise, then, you know, you got to look at, at the fit as well to me. Yeah. I'm firmly on team trade this pick. Uh, I, I, but for what and for who? So there was a thing that was written earlier today that like Minnesota said that they will, they're strongly considering James Wiseman. Uh, and for what it's worth, like I've heard that he's not off the board at least, right? Like I think I wrote that in the most recent mock draft I wrote that like they're doing due diligence into James Wiseman at least. Uh, I have not heard that he's the pick, but they're at least considering uh, that route or at least like going down the avenue of, you know, game theorizing it out to, you know, take the name of this podcast. And a, I don't like it. I don't love the fit between James Wiseman and Carl Anthony towns. I don't think that that team has enough mobility in the modern NBA to really make it work. I don't love Anthony Edwards defense. I don't love LaMelo Ball's defense. They have what about Den- What about I Denny? Not, I mean, look, like I have Denny at like number eight or nine on my board. Mm-hmm. Like it, it'd just be a reach for me to take Denny. If I could get from Charlotte, like I do think that the Charlotte Wiseman thing is real. Like I've been told that like throughout the NBA season, let alone like the regular NBA season, not the bubble and everything that they were interested in Wiseman. I would try to move down to three 
and pick up an extra asset? Like, is there a world where we think they could get Miles Bridges with number three to move up to number one? Charlotte would be insane to trade Miles Bridges just to get to number one. I would, if I were them, I would take the chance of Wiseman dropping to number three. And if Wiseman wasn't there at number three, I would take somebody else. See, I agree because, with you on this. Like, totally. I, I would rather do that. I'm with you. Miles Bridges is good. Yeah. So, you know, I, I just wouldn't, you know, I, I it's, you know, the, like, like I said, the, the, you know, there are three or four, to me, there are five guys, maybe even six or seven that are on the same talent plane. And to me, my favorite guy in this draft, my two favorite guys in this draft are Obi Toppin, um, are, uh, are Obi, Obi Toppin and, and, and uh, Patrick Williams. Mm-hmm. You know, so those are my two favorite guys in this draft. Neither one of those guys you want to, you want to take number one. Right. You know, so, I mean, it, you know, w- when you have two guys, w- when, when you have so many guys that are basically really close to each other, I mean, I, I, I just don't see the, the, the prudence of, of trading up in this draft. Yeah, I think it, I agree with you. I would not trade up in this draft, but there are always teams that want to, that want to get their guy, that think they're closer than they are, that think they're one piece away from having the core that can build together towards something special, right? Uh, I have James Wiseman at number two on my board. I think that if I was Charlotte, I would really strongly consider him. I would not move up for James Wiseman, though. I just wouldn't do it. Like, if I was them, I would probably take LaMelo ball and just be happy. But I don't think that that's the route they're going to go. And if maybe this is just like a massive smoke screen that's been playing out for almost a year now from Charlotte, that they are not that interested in James Wiseman. But if there is a team that is particularly interested in hopping golden state to get James Wiseman, I would do that if I was Minnesota. I don't know that well, anyone is particularly interested in hopping Golden State to get like Anthony Edwards or LaMelo Ball. I think that they're trying to hop them to get James Wiseman. So what would a trade look like then? Like if you're if you're Minnesota, you're trading down to three and Charlotte wants to trade up for Wiseman. Um, I'll just be know. frank with you. I would do even like a lottery protect or like top 10 protected 2021 pick if I was – Minnesota. You give me a top 10 2021 protected pick in number three, and I will do it. <sighs> Again, if I was Charlotte, I would not do that. I would not do that if I was Charlotte. If Charlotte likes James Wiseman as much as has been reported by Rick Bennell, right? I've written it before. Uh, there, there are many people that have written that they like James Wiseman. If they like him that much... I wonder if that is a real price that they would consider paying. Yeah, that's what, that's probably what I would ask for if I'm Minnesota. And, and that's probably like, if you're Minnesota, you know, you, you have to ask for that it, because even if, 
you know, the next two drafts project to be a lot stronger than this draft. Well, so and, even if you and remember too, Minnesota does not have their first round pick next year in all likelihood right. because it's Golden State. Right, right. So even if the tr- the pick doesn't matriculate next year, or even if it doesn't convey in the next year, it conveys in twenty twenty two, and that's double draft. So you know that's you know that that would probably be a real win for Minnesota. Look, Minnesota has a lot of questions that they have to answer. They have to figure out what they want to do with Malik Beasley. Yeah, yeah, no. Should I? I I probably shouldn't even even open that door yet. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Let's. You're right, though. Continue on. You know they've they've got to. You know, I mean, they've got to get some. They've got to get some more defensive wings on the roster. Yeah. Um. You know, they've just. You know, there's just a ton of questions. Um that they have to answer for themselves, you know, and, 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 you know, the more that you think about it, I mean, the more, the more it's like, okay, maybe you just go with the, the biggest talent that's number one on, on your personal board and just fi- figure it out later. Yeah. Um, that That's something that I've like advocated for a little bit as well is them just taking the guy that they think will retain trade value most. Uh, Gerson Rosas is obviously one of the most aggressive general managers you will find in the NBA. And I wonder if part of his thinking will be, you know what? We can't get a trade right now. Let's do a trade that makes sense for us or let's get a guy that can then be moved on, even if he's not a true part of our core next to Carl Towns and D'Angelo Russell, let's get someone that might be able to be one down the road. See, okay, so here's the thing, right? So do you take a point guard? Because obviously you have, not only do you have D'Angelo Russell at point guard, but do you think that Jordan McLaughlin is real? Like he showed flashes last year. Do you think that he can be a real backup point guard in this league. So you have to answer that for yourself. What do you do with Jared Culver? What do you do with Josh Akogi? Yeah. Is Jared Culver a one or two or a three? Because you played him at all th- three spots last year. Yeah. Um, By the way, I think the answer to that is three. I think he's a three. Then he's a really small three. Yeah, I think the body is going to fill out a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but he will be like a slightly undersized three, I think. You know, um, you, Josh Akogi, like you mentioned it too. Like Akogi and Culver both are really good young players defensively. Right. Theoretically, those are two guys that could really fit in between Carl Towns and D'Angelo Russell. Theoretically. Yes. Like they're nowhere near as good as they need to be offensively right now. The problem is neither one of those guys can shoot. Yep. Uh, neither one of those guys are particularly great off the dribble. But then again, I mean, you know, Jared Culver is only going in a year two. Right. Um, you know, and there's no rim protection on the roster. Uh, um, I mean, it's so, I mean, there's just a ton of stuff that this roster has to, has to answer. Okay. So what do you do with Malik? What are you doing with Malik Beasley? So let, let's outline the Malik Beasley situation for the listeners. Um, Malik Beasley is a restricted free agent this year. They obviously acquired him, uh, in the, uh, trade 
what was it? The Covington trade, I guess, is what it would have been. They acquired him and Wancho in number 16 for Robert Covington. Malik Beasley went on to average 20 points a game uh, over the course of the last, what was it, like 15 games that he played mm-hmm. in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Looked really good. Right but. now, he, he's in the midst of a very serious legal situation where, uh, I believe last week they've, you know, reporters finally got their hands on court documents that stated Malik Beasley faces multiple charges after allegedly aiming a gun at his family outside of his home, uh, or at a family of three that approached his home. Uh, I believe that there was another uh, situation that was referenced where he was accused of pointing a gun elsewhere as well. Like the the whole situation is very bad. He went from being a guy that I thought was probably going to get $50 million this summer to someone that like Minnesota has to make a very real question as to whether or not they offer him the qualifying offer. So the star tribune reported, I finally have it up. Um, the, the 19 month old son of Malik Beasley and his wife, Montana Yao, uh, was put under court ordered protection, citing the felony weapons and drugs charges filed last month against the boy's parents, as well as new evidence of a possible maltreatment. And then additionally, uh, one thing that is mentioned here is that, uh, Beasley was, uh, let's see, uh, drug tests administered two weeks later turned up the active ingredient of marijuana in both Beasley and Yao and amphetamines in Beasley's system, uh, as well as recent sedative use by Yao. Again, that I'm taking this from the Minnesota Star Tribune, uh, a story by Paul Walsh. So, that's all bad. Amphetamines are listed as a drug of abuse in the CBA, and there are some pretty unclear, uh, like guidelines in terms of will he be suspended for this? Will he not be suspended for this? Uh, they, they tend to keep things pretty under wraps in regard to who is already in the drugs of abuse treatment program. If you remember uh, Tyreek Evans and OJ Mayo were the last two guys that were actually announced to have been suspended under the drugs of abuse, uh, I guess laws of the CBA uh, for lack of a better term by laws, I guess they are. And they were suspended for two years and, uh, well, kicked out of the league for two years, basically. So I'm not sure if that will happen with Malik Beasley, but you know, that's, that's where we're at. And it's a terrible situation. I feel awful about the whole thing. I feel awful that there may be some, uh, maltreatment going on based off of the court documents that have been filed, but Minnesota, like, I don't know what they're going to do with Malik Beasley and it creates a real problem for them. Yeah, it does create a real problem and it creates, um, you know, it's, there's, there's, I mean, simply there's a choice to be made. I mean, 
you know, do you make the qualifying offer? Do you, do you not make the qualifying offer and, and just move on? And, you know, I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. You know, it's, 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 it's hard to, to, uh, to, to think about in terms of, you know, how you don't want to speak for what Minnesota knows. You don't know what, what intel they have. Um, but it obviously, it, it plays a role in, in, in some decisions that, um, they're going to have to make. And, you know, and it's, it's sad from, you know, obviously a personal standpoint because, you know, you want, um, you know, you, you want, you want, you want everything to be okay personally. Um, and then from, um, you know, from a, from a, an athletic standpoint, I mean, he has a ton of talent. He's a dynamic scorer. Um, and he's a, he's a real talent in this league. So it'll be just really be interesting to see, um, you know, what Minnesota does one way or the other. Um, but, you know, hopefully, you know, um, Malik Beasley's family's okay. And then Malik Beasley's okay. Yeah. Uh, and that, you know, there's a good resolution. There's a good resolution to, to that stuff personally. Um, and then, you know, then you figure out the basketball side of it later. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because there has to be a decision that Minnesota has to come to. They can't wait and see how this plays out because they're going to have to make a call on the qualifying offer within the next month. And, you know, they will get, you know, up to the next two and a half weeks or whatever. Uh, Within the next two and a half starts. weeks. Yeah. Yeah. But that's just given the way the court proceedings tend to play out, that probably is not going to be enough time for this to actually get to a resolution. So this is one of those unfortunate circumstances where Minnesota is on a time crunch. And I think that if I was them, I would not offer him the qualifying offer but i tend to be a bit more um strong on these things than nba teams tend to be you know i mean let's, like, i, I would know, love to be take, able to see it play out but we, we just don't have that in this case you know what i mean you know we don't have it in in this case and and if this case didn't you know, if if this case didn't exist, I mean, how much are you paying Malik Beasley on on this market? I mean, he could go somewhere else and maybe get get a lot of money, but there's not a lot of money on the market. Um, you know, um, he's a guy that you know he he's a guy that I think, um. He's a guy that I think, you know, you look at and you try to figure out, okay, how much do we want to pay him? Um, because as opposed to how much he can get on the market that we would have to, to figure out, uh, if we want to match or not, do you want to extend, you know, 18, potentially 18, $20 million a year and, and invest that with him when you already have, um, D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns. So, I mean, you know, those are just, those are just some of the, um, the, just some of the decisions, uh, that Minnesota has to make. And then, oh, 
oh yeah, you got to figure out what you want to do with your number one pick. Yeah. Minnesota's in a really tough spot here, I think. They're in a really, really tough spot. The The problem for them, additionally, is that so you move Robert Covington and, you know, we're, we're going to transition back from, you know, worrying about Malik Beasley's family, which is much more important than basketball than to transitioning to talk about basketball again. Minnesota trades Robert Covington for Beasley, Juancho, and a number 16 overall pick, essentially. And that's a really good deal in theory. Because you get three former first round picks or future first round pick for Robert Covington. And that's a lot of value. The problem is that you now are in this situation with Malik Beasley where, again, I don't think I would offer him the qualifying offer. Wancho is good. Like, I, I think he's a rotation player in the NBA, but you're probably going to have to pay him a little bit of money now. Uh, I, I don't know. What, what would you project Wancho at? Like, you know, between five and seven million? It's something like that. I mean, I think he's, he's a solid, I mean, I think he's a solid, you know, backup at the NBA level. Yeah. No, I agree. And he can really shoot it, which is something this team needs. And he plays smart positional defense, even though he's not like a high level defender, just because he's not like a quick twitch athlete necessarily. So, and then you have number 16 overall in, this draft 16 or 17 i can't remember uh 17 i'm sorry it's number 17 so you have these three assets one of them you know you have to make a tough call on the other one you have to make a tough free agency call on versus you know the other one where it's like a life decision and then you have number 17 in this draft which i think is going to turn into like a relatively useful piece for them would you rather just have Robert Covington, though, between D'Angelo Russell and Carl Towns, given that he's literally a perfect fit to play between those two? You know, he's a perfect fit to play between those two, but Robert Covington is a guy that I want on a winning roster. I don't know how much UC would have on Minnesota's roster where, where they're going to win 25 games a year with this kind of roster. <laughs> the problem with that though is that like everyone thinks that they're a winning roster at the end of like Minnesota's trying to win now. Do you think Gershon is looking at this roster and he's like, well, let's go. F yeah, I can win 50 games with this team. I think that the only reason that you go out and try and get a D'Angelo Russell and pay a 2021 draft pick that could turn very bad for them is if you're trying to win now. Like they can't win 25 games and expect to get their number one overall pick next year. Right. Or, you know, number five overall pick or something like that. So you have to make good use of the number one pick. You have to make good use of free agency and you have to define roles on the fly. Um, and right now, I mean, you look at this roster, there are two, there, there are three definitive starting level players at the NBA level on this roster. And that's D'Angelo, that's D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns and Malik Beasley. Like, I think Jared Culver 
is is a starter at the NBA level, but you know, I don't think we know for sure, but I think he d- is. I think that Josh Akogi is a high level backup. So, and then after that, you have a, a bunch of guys who are young guys who who are basically trying to to um uh prove themselves, you know, prove themselves in the league. James jo- Johnson is on the roster, he's 33 years old. Evan Turner is on the roster. He's 32 years old. You know, so, I mean, there's a, you know, there's just, there, there are two, two, you know, there's a, there's a all NBA level talent on the roster. Then there's an all star level talent on the roster. Then there's one starting level talent on the roster who might not even be on the roster, you know, because he has, you know, real legal issues. And then, after that, there's just a bunch of guys that are trying to prove themselves. So, in the case of Minnesota, I just want to kind of close this out. One thing I've been bringing up uh, quite a bit over the course of the last few months is Golden State taking James Johnson into their trade exception if they want to get someone between 17 million and 20 million because their trade exception is, uh, I believe for 17.2 million. Uh, they cannot acquire anyone over that price, but if they bring James Johnson into that trade exception, they then can combine him with other players and move him on elsewhere. Uh, and potentially do more than the trade exception. Like if Washington wanted to trade Bradley Beal for some reason, they could go get James Johnson, attach him to Jordan Poole and Kavon Looney and attach those two picks and potentially get a deal done there. Uh, I, I don't think that Washington's going to trade Bradley Beal. I'm just using an example of, uh, the kind of deal that they can put together by doing that. If I was Minnesota, I would jump at that because A, I get James Johnson's money off my books and B, I get uh, the ability to open up a $16 million trade exception. So if Minnesota has the opportunity to do that, I, I would like that for them because I think they're going to need something like a $16 million trade exception at some point here uh, in order to rebuild this roster couple random guys like i, I kind of like naz reed a little bit as a backup center uh i kind of like jordan mclaughlin as you said as a backup point guard uh you know josh kogi i think is going to be a really high level backup wancho is going to be a really high level backup but they like you said like they just don't have the guys on this roster they don't have the starting caliber guys right now to really compete and that's going to be difficult for them to acquire in the time frame that they have before Carl Towns becomes a free agent, I think. So with all of that being said, in my opinion, if, if they were to keep their number one pick, you know, they should just pick Anthony Edwards. I think that that would be my pick as well, because I think that Edwards would have the best chance of retaining trade value within the role that they would ask of him. Right. I think that's they need, they need somebody, they need somebody, they need a wing score. Yep. Whether they keep Beasley or not, they, they, you know, he's not enough as a wing score. They need a wing score. And, and Anthony Edwards is, if, if, if I don't trust him to do anything else at the NBA level, I think I trust him to be, become a dynamic wing score. Yeah. 
I think that's right. The other uh, stuff, I th- the other stuff with him, he's going to have, that's the stuff that's, you know, the defense, the ball handling, the pick and roll ball handling, the pick and roll decision making, yep. um, the, the playmaking for others, not for himself. Um, that's going to have to be developed, but I think he's going to be able to put the ball in the basket at the NBA level. Yeah. I think I agree. And guys that can put the ball in the basket at that age tend to retain trade value over the long term. Do you want to go to your team next? Because I think that this offseason is actually relatively simple uh, to break down. Right. Okay. Let's, let's, let's go to Utah Jazz. Let's, let's do it. Before we do that, let's uh, hit a quick commercial break. All right, and we're back, and we're going to talk about the Utah Jazz here. I, I kind of brought up the idea of this being a simple one before the commercial break, and I don't know. I got some skepticism in your voice in, in terms of whether or not you think it is that simple. Um, let, Define simple. Now, let me stop. Um, <laughs> they just don't have a lot of flexibility to be able to like go out and make crazy moves this summer. I don't dare I agree with you. I don't think they're going to go out and and make a whole bunch of crazy moves. Um um but I do think that I do think that they're going to attempt to be um aggressive in free agency. And I think that there will be some moves. Yeah. I think there, you know, I don't think there's going to be wall-to-wall roster turnover. I think that the 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 simple part of this is that the core, the core that they ended the season with is the core that they're going to start next season with. And the simple part of this is. Well, hold, hold if, on. Do you, do you consider Mike Conley a part of that core? Yes. Okay. Because, because the Jazz do. Okay. So if, you know, it, it's, it's funny because, you know, there's been a whole bunch of, you know, trade talk on jazz Twitter and, you know, NBA Twitter concerning jazz, jazz players. I just don't think is even remotely accurate. Um, you know, so the question is, so the simple part is, you know, uh, Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Royce O'Neal, Joe, Joe Ingles, Rudy Gobert, Bojan Bogdanovich, um, George Yang. You know, Jordan Clarkson. I mean, those, those are the guys that, you know, are going to be back. You know, um, I is think Clarkson going to be back? He's Utah's top priority in free agency. So let's put it this way. You know, I, I wrote a story that said, that said essentially the Jazz might have to choose between re-signing Jordan Clarkson or using, um, the mid-level exception. So let's say that, you know, the choice is that that choice is real and the jazz, the jazz front office has to make that choice. They would choose Jordan Clarkson. So they absolutely want him back for sure. Um, you know, so, you know, I think that that's the, the simple part. Now where it gets complex is, you know, that's not, you know, the, the front office wants to, uh, 
to improve around the margins enough that this team goes from 50 to 51, 52 win team to 54, 55 win team and can legitimately, you know, challenge to get to the Western Conference finals or something like that. Um, and that's, that's, that's where, that's where this offseason is going to be kind of focused. And that's, that's where, um, I think it, it gets, you know, that's where you have to answer some questions. So let's try to think where to, where to go from there. So I think the guys that are just straight up guaranteed to be on this roster are Rudy Boyan, Joe Ingles, Donovan Mitchell, right? Like there's no circumstance where they'd entertain anything for those four, I would think, right? Right. And I would say Joe Ingles and Royce O'Neal are not far behind. Yeah, sorry. I included Joe in there. Uh, I did not include Royce, though. And Royce, I would think, should be included in there. Right. If so, something Royce, wild. Joe, Royce, Joe, Donovan, Rudy, Bojan, Mike Conley. Those, those six. You if know, something wild some, came right. up for Conley, do you think some, do you think they would consider it? I don't think so because okay. I think they really like Mike. I think they, uh, I think they were really happy with his play. Yep. Uh, not only in the bubble, but down the, str- down the stretch before the bubble came. Uh, and they're going to get off of $35 million in one year. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I, I, I don't think that, you know, unless it's a trade that, you know, it, that's just a no brainer, you know, like if, if New Orleans called and said, Hey, we're going to give you Drew Holiday for Mike Conley, then I think the Jazz would think about it. Um, but number one, I don't think New Orleans would call and, 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 and make that kind of offer, you know, so, um, I, I think that, you know, I think that Mike Conley is definitely going to be on the roster. The Jazz are happy with him. And I think that, uh, the Jazz feel that he's now comfortable within the system and mm-hmm. comfortable within the offense. And that that's going to yield a lot more positive results out of the gate next year than it did at this same time last year. Yeah. The only reason I press on Mike Conley is I, I generally agree with you. Uh, but it is, like you said, a talking point where people will often bring up Mike Conley as a guy with a large salary that is expiring that could be moved in order to bring in another win-now piece. I think that those deals are just exceptionally difficult to find for Utah. Like, Drew Holiday, you would have to give up Mike Conley in two firsts, probably, right? And I still think that no New Orleans will get a better offer than that. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. I, I just don't, I don't see it with a Mike Conley deal. Clarkson, yeah, like honestly, I would probably rather use the mid-level, but like I don't think that it's a make-or-break decision for them. Like if the choice was, can I have Justin Holiday at $8 million a year or paying Jordan Clarkson, like I'd probably rather have Justin Holiday. Well, see, and that's where I disagree with you because for this Jazz team, I'd much rather have Jordan Clarkson and Justin Holiday coming off the bench Ooh. because if you 
if you have Justin Holiday coming off the bench, the bench can't score. Yeah, but that's, this is a team that needs defense now on the way. It's a team that needs defense, but Jordan Clarkson saved Jordan Clarkson saved this Jazz second unit last year. Like he just flat out he saved the he saved the second unit. The second unit couldn't score, it couldn't produce offensively. The Jazz were getting their asses kicked every single time they were getting to the second unit, and then the starting five would have to come back in and they'd be down ten and they'd have to make up a ten point deficit. And when Jordan Clarkson came, that they were able to to be a lot um more competitive um with their sec with the second unit and 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 um and that fit was was frankly it was an amazing fit um yeah. and in the jazz you know so do i think that justin holiday is a better player than jordan clarkson all around probably i probably do but jordan clarkson is to me in my mind without a doubt uh, a better fit for this jazz team for this jazz second unit than jordan clarkson is just relative to what the second unit needs so in that, I guess, is where like the, like having to, they're, they're going to have two options basically. Like they could do Jordan Clarkson and then they could take a defensive, you know, wing or some, like a player with upside at number 23 defensively. Right. Or they could go out and try to find a defensive wing and take a scorer at 23. You know, maybe there's a chance Cole Anthony is there. You, Maybe you look at a Grant Riller, you look at a Malachi Flynn, like you, you look at guys that can bring that scoring aspect later on. In so, the and I, I guess I, like I that's my question. Like, is there a possibility that you could go about it that way? I think if you had, to, if I had to make my best guess right now, this is my guess. I think the Jazz try to re-sign Jordan Clarkson at a, um, a moderate raise for him. Oh no. Um, Tell no, me no, you don't, you don't want to give him a raise. I don't want to give him 15, like a raise for him is $15 million a year. Okay. So let's say a minimal raise, like just like, we love you, Jordan race for how, for multiple years. I mean, you know, you don't listen, you, you're not going to pay him $10 million, right? Or $9 million. Are you? Because then he could just go on the market and just get something from a bad team. Okay, I'm let's, fine. Let's like, look honestly, at if, okay, if I'm look, the let's jazz, look at I'm this. Fine with that. You know the, what I mean? <laughs> the, the conundrum. The conundrum with Jordan Clarkson is he can go get get some money somewhere else, but on this market, he's he, if he wants to be in a winning situation, he's going to get basically the same amount of dollars, right? Or even or even a little less if he goes somewhere else. I mean, like, um, if, if I could give him two twenty, uh, I, so you want to give him a you want to give him a four million dollar pay cut? I might be uncomfortable with that, man. With Jordan Clarkson, <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I get so you want to so you want to piss him off on the first day, <laughs> and on top of that, he's clutch. You know what? If if I would rather give him. One year and what is a hundred and twenty five. So you want to give him a balloon, balloon one year. Yeah. Balloon payment. 
I would do that rather than two years. Okay, so all right, so let's 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 settle on you taking it because this is actually fascinating thing piece. He was he he was at he, he was at thirteen at thirteen and a thirteen and a half and a half. Okay, so he was at thirteen and a half. Uh, so if if so, let's say you he, he comes in at fourteen, he resigns him at fourteen, two and twenty eight. Um, I know you want to give him one year. I'm going to give him two years, two and twenty eight. I I don't think I, I will th- tell you this. I don't think I would be like wholly uncomfortable with that, if only because the next year he'd be an expiring contract. Right. That that part is true. And in the con- good year is okay for really good in contract years. Years. So I think, so I think think I think the I think the con I think think the con the con there is context and nuance to be said for that as well. So if you resign Jordan at fourteen a year. You don't necessarily have to use all of your 9.7 mid-level. Maybe you use 6 million of it. Yeah. Maybe you use 5 million of it. And if you re-sign Jordan, you get the mid-level versus if you don't re-sign Jordan, you have to use the mid-level to replace Jordan. So I get it from that perspective. I would almost rather pay Jordan Clarkson one year 20 million than two years 25 million. Well, I, I agree with you there. I would, I would probably think about it because you're getting off of the money. You, right. You'll get off of the money. And then and that then, next summer is really important for them because it's when Rudy right. comes up. It's when Mike Conley's 30. Well, that, million that next summer is going to be, off. that next summer is going to be important for them regardless. Yeah. Cause it's when Jonathan's because, extension yeah. kicks in as well. Right. And, and for them, that's when their clock kicks in. Yep. Because that and you know what that clock is. That's the Donovan clock. Yeah. So, you know the the Jazz are going to be under pressure to build a winner at the highest level pretty quickly. Yep. So, you know everything everything from right now until the year twenty twenty five it matters. Like it really really effing matters. Yep. Um, so this, this draft pick at 23, it matters next year's draft pick. Cause I'm pretty sure that they'll retain it, uh, because it's protected from 15 to 30, I believe, mm-hmm. um, it matters because then they they probably won't have, they won't have the 20, 2022 pick in a really good draft. So, you know, the free agency, all of that stuff matters. So. You know, what if you go and you resign Jordan at 14? Then maybe you offer Mo Harkless, you know, two and 10 or two and two and 12. You know, if you do that, then you've retained your core and you've added one more piece. Yeah. To, to your bench, because I think the jazz in a perfect world, want Joe Ingles and Royce O'Neal to both come off the bench next year. Um, 
and they want to get bigger, they want to get longer, they want to get more athletic, especially on the wings. So how does that happen? And that's that's the question. Those are the questions they have to 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 figure out. Um, yeah, and, and at the end of the day, re-signing Jordan Clarkson does not take away the ability to go out and sign a Justin Holiday with the mid-level, unless they are worried about like. Can you get Justin Holiday for two and twelve on this market? I think probably not. Is my right. take. But what if you can get Serge Ibaka for two and twenty? I think Toronto will balloon payment him. Okay. It like a number to where two twenty is not feasible for him. Right. Like, there's no way Toronto won't offer him at least 115, I would think. Right. If that, like, if that's what it has to come to at the end of the day. So, that being said, who would you pick at 23 for the Jazz? Don't say I, Tyus Jones because you, there'll be a, like, a, a there'd just be a I mean, look, for I, you. I probably would take <laughs> Tyus Jones. Because I really like Tyus Jones. I have mid-18. Like I I love you, Sam. I'm glad you said Tyus Jones. Sam said Tyus Jones. But if we're being realistic, like I have him and Robert Woodard in the same tier. I have Robert Woodard at 23 right now. Um, I would take I would take three or four point guards before I take Tyus Jones. See, I understand it. And for the Jazz. For the Jazz. I would take Grant Rillaby. I Let's would have take the Grant Tyus Wood. Jones conversation later. Let's or the okay. Trey Jones. I'm sorry, Trey Jones conversation later. Because uh, we're we, going to talk about we. That. We have been saying Tyus, haven't we? Trey Jones. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sorry about that. We'll have the Trey Jones conversation uh, at the end of the podcast, not now, because that's a whole different can of worms. Um, I I would realistically look at probably Robert Woodard for this roster. Uh, I would, I have him in the same tier as Trey Jones, and I think he fills genuine needs, uh, defensively on the perimeter and as a catch and shoot guy that I feel confident will make shots directly off the catch. Uh, he is six foot seven with a seven foot two wingspan. He is a crazy bouncy athlete off of two feet. He's a really good defender. He is a really, really good defender, multi-positional guy, can take on guards, can take on forwards. If he gets stronger, there's a world where he's going to be able to take on centers. Like, that's the guy for me that I would take if I was them, realistically. Um, I would also look at Josh Green. Uh, I would also look at uh, someone like Xavier Tillman. I I would be looking at defense, though. If I was the Jazz, as much as I, I love Xavier Tillman, but the question was Xavier Tillman is twenty three too high for him. I mean, I have him at twenty twenty five, twenty seven, something like that. So, I think they, I think Xavier Tillman is a grown ass man. Yeah, and he both in is terms a, of frame and maturity. Yes, and he is a very underrated athlete. He is a very very good passer. He is a very good rebounder, um, and I think he would fit in just really well with that jazz, with the with the Jazz offensively and defensively. Yep, um, I, I would like that pick a lot for them. I, I don't know. I don't think they will go that route. I would say. I would just straight up. I don't. Say, I do not think they will go that route. 
I would, I, if, if I were to, if I were the Jazz, I'd be looking at Robert Woodard. I'd be looking at Jaden McDaniels. I'd be looking at Tyler Bay. I'd be looking at Zeke, Zeke Naji. Did I pronounce his last name right? Nailed it. Okay. Um, you know, I think, um, I'd be looking at Josh Green. Uh, if I had to look at a point guard there, the point guard I'd be looking at is Malachi Flynn. Yeah. Look, I, I have Malachi really high as well. I really like Malachi Flynn. I have him at 23 or 24 or something like that. Malachi is super, super, super skilled. Yep. And he's super tough. Yep. So, no, we're, we're on the same page with the Jazz for the most part. I, I would not like be looking Trey at Trey Jones. Jones. I just like Trey Jones. We'll have the Trey I Jones would, conversation later. I would take Grant Riller and Peyton Pritchard over Trey Jones. I would not, but we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> Uh, let's, uh, let's move on. I think that that's everything for the jazz, right? Like we've gone pretty deep. Yes. The Oklahoma city thunder, uh, the only real conversation here is, do they just tear this entire thing down? Right. Well, they're, and, I mean, they're, you know, they're going to try to, you know, the New York Knicks are going to try to trade for Chris Paul. So is this something that is going to get aggregated is the question. Uh, Let's uh let, let's let's speculate that the New York Knicks will try to trade for. Okay, Chris Paul. should we? Okay, this is speculation. This is not a report. Yes. aggregators. This is not a report. This is speculation. But yes, I I think there are going to be multiple teams that try to trade for Chris Paul. For I agree with you. I think that he will have a market. I know that he's very expensive. I think he will have a market. Um. So. Gallinari's going to leave. He's going to go. He's he's almost assuredly going to try to go to a contender. Um, one one more Jazz question: If you're the Jazz, do you try to sign Gallo for for two and twenty? I don't think they can. I think he will get more than the mid level. Gallo already said that I would take less to go somewhere to be if it's a contender. Like he said that. Is the contender that he's talking about like, look, how many, the question is how many teams do we think are Sam ahead is of like, the Jazz? Sam is like, define contender. <laughs> well, it's not even contender because I think Utah is genuinely trying to win a title right now. Right. And the question for me is just like, I would go to Toronto over Utah. I would go to Boston over Utah. I would go to Milwaukee right. over Utah. I would go to the Lakers and the Clippers over Utah. Like, uh, and if you're Utah, getting Gallo doesn't exactly uh, uh, help your wing defense chances. Right. Um, if I, I Honestly, if I was Gallo, I would go to Portland over Utah, not because I think Portland is closer to winning a title, but because I think that I would be actualized in a better way in Portland than in Utah. That's also true. Okay. So... Let's, but Gallo's going to leave. Um, I would think Chris, so. Chris Paul's going to get traded. I I would think. Um, but there's still a lot of there's still some building. I mean, obviously, you know, SGA is tremendous. That's a, he's a tremendous talent. But the other guy who's to me has emerged as a tremendous talent is uh, Darius Baisley. Yeah, um, I'm fascinated. With him. 
yeah. I was not really a fan of his pre-draft. I, will say I, I wasn't either. And neither were a whole bunch of people that I talked to. And he, he's got a chance to be good. Like, he's got a chance to be really good. He's worked yep. on his game. He's worked on his craft. He's been professional. He's been mature. He's been a, he's just been a lot better than a lot of people who, who for, get paid to forecast these things thought he was going to turn out. And that's, yeah, and look, that's like, to his we, credit. We are talking about a guy that shot like 39% from the field last year and like really couldn't finish in the paint at all. Uh, and right. I think the thing that people are excited about is like he's already shooting. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I think he probably turns into a starting caliber player. I just don't want to like overreact. At the time I said, like, I think the ceiling here is Trevor Ariza or someone like that. I think I would still say that, but I think he mm-hmm. is a much better chance of reaching that than what I thought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think which is valuable. Like, I don't mean to disparage him by saying that like Trevor Ariza is going to make over a hundred million dollars in his career. Right. So you have, you know, SGA, you have Darius Baisley is, is kind of building pieces. Um, you still have Steven Adams, still have Dennis Schroeder. Um, obviously Terrence Ferguson has been a pretty massive disappointment. Um, you know, Lou Dort. Obviously Lou Dort has been a massive surprise. <laughs> um, and you know, Hamadou Diallo, to me, I still have a lot of hope for because I think he's a really good defender. He's, you know, obviously a tremendous athlete and he's a guy that, that I think plays hard, plays really hard. Yeah. I mean, like the hope there is that he's, that he continues down the path of turning into what like Josh Akogi already is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I think that that's, it's worth qualifying our hopes in Hamadou. <laughs> Yes, for sure. Um, you know, so what do you do? You know, what do you do during the off season there? If you're Oklahoma City, yeah, I think I try and find a home for Chris Paul while not like. What are you asking back? If the Knicks, I mean, like, look, if I was Sam Presti, I would be asking the Knicks for number eight. But that's not going to happen, right? Right, right. But realistically, like, what is my breaking point in terms of price? If the if the Sixers offered me Horford, 21, 34, 36, and Thibel. And I could, like, find a way to make the salaries match. So, what, they'd have to add, like, Mike Scott or some shit? Like, Mike Scott and something else? Right. I would do that if I was Oklahoma City. Maybe I would not ask for 36. Like, maybe be, like, 21, 34, Thibel, and the Horford deal. Or something. I would probably do that if I was Oklahoma City. What would you? What are you doing at? Um, what are you I, doing? By the way, I think there's a chance they get better offers than that. I think so too. To. Um, 
I'm saying like I'm trying to get what a, my breaking point would be in terms of a yes. Uh, I am trying to. Uh, I am trying to to get one really good young guy. Um, out of out of out of the trade one. Wherever I get it, so. You know, I, I don't, you know, if you trade, let's say you're trading with the Knicks, you know, you're trying to get, you know, you're trying to get Frank, you're trying to get Kevin. I don't want either uh, of those guys. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's probably. Frank's fine. Like, I, I think Frank's going to be a good role player for a while, but like. You're not a Kevin Knox guy. No, I'm, I'm not a Kevin Knox guy. Um. Orlando is interesting to me because Orlando is just like in that space where I feel like they're trying to do something. Would I give you Aaron Gordon? That's what I'm wondering. And what are you doing at 25 for them? Uh, Whatever the highest upside player is. Like I'm just taking swings at that point for them specifically because they're not contending for a title next year. I'm just taking like Jaden McDaniels. Like that's a spot where I would take Jaden McDaniels and not really think twice. So you, you know, cause I'm thinking that Isaiah Stewart would be really good for them. I, I, I like, I like Isaiah a lot. Um, he fits a lot of what they've looked for in the past. I don't think I would do that at the end of the day. Maybe. Okay. I, I mean, like they have, they've Steven, like, I think you can just find centers. Well, I mean, they've, they've definitely taken upside guys. I mean, they took Perry Jones. I mean, they took Darius Baisley last year, right? And they they took, took Darius Baisley. Terrence so. Ferguson. Like, I think that they're going to go upside at the end. And plus they have all these Clippers picks coming in. So they're going to get, 45 bites at the apple seemingly in the draft (laughs) they're gonna have a and it can can, you know remember when Amoni Bates was like definitely the number one guy in the the 2022 draft and now we're not so sure we're pretty sure pretty (laughs) sure but no the kid from France the kid from France is is causing pause yeah Victor uh, Wenbenyema like I, I I get it. Um, and like, this comes from someone who has been skeptical of Amani Bates on some level. And I believe that's the 2023 draft, right? Or am I missing something? Yeah. Is that 2023? Yeah. Sorry about that. Imani Bates. When is Imani Bates graduating? Um, 2022. So if, yes. if that, if that class is indeed a no longer a one and done class, which, I will continue to be skeptical about, like, I don't know that the one and done is ending anytime soon. Um, I, I will continue to be skeptical about that, but theoretically, Imani Bates could be in 2022. Can he? Yeah, he can be. So, uh, look, I'd be, I'd be taking home run swings if I was Oklahoma City. Like, I, I, you know, um, Jaden McDaniels, uh, like, honestly, like Robert Woodard, I think fits a lot of what they look for. 
Leandro Bomaro. Um, Leandro's not coming over for one year at least, possibly right. two. Right, and I'm okay with that. Uh, Leandro's good though. Like, he's interesting. He's very. He's going to be able to separate at an NBA level, which is important. Scott point guard upside at six seven. Yeah. I don't know if he's a point guard, but like secondary ball handler, like that kind of deal. You know what I mean? Like he'll he'll be able to handle the ball on some level. Um, but like those guys, those are the guys I'd be swinging for at the end of the day if I was Oklahoma City. I, I might even like. Is there a world where I can give up a second round pick to try and move up a couple of spots to try and get Jaden McDaniels? And like this comes from me, who is Jaden at like thirty two or something on my board. Like I. I I, I would be swinging. I'd be just taking home run swings for them. Yeah, they're going to be doing that for the next four or five years with all those picks that they have. Right. You know, so they're going to, you know, they're not going to be very good this year if they trade Chris Paul. Oh, the the one other guy I'm going to bring up. I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, Pokyshevsky is another one I would look at. If I Pok- as well. He's super intriguing. I the the ball handling acumen on him at his size. What what's your comparison for him? Don't have one. It's very different than anything I've ever seen. I don't know Is that it's going to work, but it's very different. I don't know that it's going to work, but it's very different. But what about seven foot one Andre Karolinko? I mean, he's not quite as good defensively. He's a smoother shooter too. Like it's, it's a weird set of skills there. He, but the, the, the reason why I make that comparison and, you know, I hate making, you know, white on white or black on black comparisons. Um, but, you know, like Karolinko, right? Like he was a jack of all trades, but not yeah. necessarily a master of anything. And that's the thing, the same, that's what I look at when I look at Pokashevsky. Like, I think, I mean, his, like, he's such a good ball handler. He can shoot the ball, uh, as well. There's just, you know, there's just not a real, um, there's just not a real archetype for him. There's really not. Like, he's way more athletic than Porzingis. He is more of a center than Kirilenko was just as he's so big and he's not as solid defensively. Like he's kind of, he doesn't have the on ball defensive ability that Kirilenko right. had. Um, right. You know, weird like movement shooting stuff as well. And passing ability is really good as like, it's, it's a weird set of skills. It's, but like also can't play through contact at all right now. And can play him with like a guy that's six foot six that can get up under him and like cause him all sorts of shit. But the, the team that takes him is going to have to be no is going to have to be patient with him. Yep, because I think he's a year away, year at least a year away, probably two years away from being a rotation guy. Yep. Um, and you know, he, the team that takes him, more importantly, is going to have to real know how to use him. Yep. Um, you know, like it's, it's a waste of his skill set to, to take him and try to make him like a, or, you know, a, a, a pick and die five or something like that. Yeah. 
No, he's um, not that. He's almost like he's more of a four than he is a right. five. But he's not really good enough in space defensively to play the four, I don't think. It's I really don't know what to do with him. He's a very strange player. Very, very strange player. Um I think somebody's gonna take him like in the early teens just because of the skill set. Wouldn't stun me. I mean that's around where I've got him. I've got him, you know, late lottery right now. Um, you know, fifteen, something like that. So I get it. Uh I totally get the appeal of that. I just there's a chance he like is Jan Vesely and like never comes over. Like, I don't mean that like from a stylistic comparison, but like and I know Jan came over, but like Jan came over and did not like it and went back. Yeah, and Jan also has turned into like one of the five best players or ten best players in Europe. So like yeah. Jan is good enough to play in the NBA. Jan just doesn't play in the NBA. So Yeah. Um Yeah. Speaking of uh no, we'll 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 talk about that later. Um yeah, I think Oklahoma City's job here is to start the rebuild. Like, if, if I was them, I'm trying to figure out, like, what I would do with the Orlando idea. Like, Aaron Gordon, getting the money to match is tough there. It'd be like Aaron Gordon and Terrence Ross or something like that. I would not like Terrence Ross on that roster. Yeah, neither would I. It's Terrence, Terrence looks at himself and is like, I'm going for 40 tonight. Every night. Yeah. I mean, it's hard, it's hard to make the money work there. And, like, even then, the money still doesn't work because Chris is it so much money. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what to do with Chris Paul, but there are teams out there that are interesting. Uh, if you were Phoenix, would you look at Chris Paul? Um. Yeah, but what what could you give up? So you've got the Ricky Rubio money. You've got the Kelly right. Oubre money. That gets you to 31. Well, you don't have the Kelly Oubre money because he's a, he's, he's a restricted free agent. No, he's not. He's still under minute. contract for next year. Oh, he's still on. Okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. So you've got those two. That gets you pretty close in terms of the money. Do you do those two in Cam Johnson for Chris Paul? Um, that's a pretty good deal for Oklahoma City. I would do it because it would give me Ubre. Not, I happen to really like Ubre. It gives you a year of Ubre. It gives you Cam Johnson for three years, who was a really good I rookie would, this year. That I love like, Cam. I love Cam Johnson. Yeah, I think he's going to be an elite role player. On a, yep. on a, someday he's going to be like, you know, a Robert Ori level role player on a championship team. And here's the thing about that. If you're Phoenix, you get a starting lineup of Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Mikhail Bridges, DeAndre Ayton. That's a pretty scary group. And then you can make choices with like, do you want to keep Dario Saric? But the thing that worries, like, if you, if Chris goes to Phoenix, like, Chris, you gotta, you gotta give the ball to Devin Booker. <laughs> Look, Devin's a lot better than Shea is. So, like, I'm not gonna sit here and say, like, you know, he dealt with a similar situation last year. 
But Chris Paul and James Harden worked fine until... Until it didn't. <laughs> yeah, but, like, how much of that is per- interpersonal versus, like, it worked on the court really well, those two. And Chris is the kind of defender that Devin needs next to him at point guard. Right. If I'm, I'm just saying I would look in, like, I would probably rather just outright try and sign Fred Van Vliet if I was them. And there are worlds in which they can do that because they can just move the Ubre money if they have to. Like, if, it, if I mean, the, cho- why, why if you're Phoenix are you, you trying to move Ubre? Like, he's really good, man. I'm not really trying to unless I can get like a difference maker at the point guard position. That's really the only reason I would move the Ubre money. And move Kelly as a player who, again, I generally agree with you that he's pretty good, at least as a scorer. But if I could get an answer at the point guard position that is not Ricky Rubio, I would very strongly consider that. Uh, I would strongly consider that as well. Like, again, like I would rather just sign Fred Van Vliet for four years than have to give up Cam Johnson and Kelly Oubre and Ricky Rubio to get Chris Paul. But if the Van Vliet thing isn't going to happen because he stays in Toronto for some, like in, or goes to New York or something like that, I, I would look into that if I was Phoenix. And that's a decent deal for Oklahoma city too, because you get a cost controlled guy who went in the lottery last year in Cam Johnson, who already looks pretty good. And you get a flyer on Ubre to try and see if he can make some things work. Agreed. Uh, Agreed. Kind of weird in that that's also a simple one just because it's like a little bit of a teardown. Portland seems a little bit more complicated to me because they need to go out and like try and find guys that can help them win now while also dealing with a very strapped cap situation. Um, I, you know, they are good enough that I think that they have a chance to make a leap next year just because I think Damien is that good. Yep. And I think, and I think that, you know, their year more of this year past, it just requires a lot of context. I mean, they didn't have Zach Collins for most of the year. They didn't have, um, use of Nurkic for most of the year. Yep. Um, you know, they didn't have Trevor reason the bubble. So they they went their wing defender. Yep. Um, you put all of that stuff, um, back together and that's a pretty good team. You know, maybe it's not a championship contending team, but I mean, this is the same, it's the same team that, that went to the, to the Western Conference finals just two years ago. And like I said, Dame, Dame and CJ are just that good. So, what do you think this team should be looking to acquire? A wing defender. By any means necessary. Somebody, one guy that can, you know, same thing with the Jazz. I mean, they're, they're in the same boat as the Jazz. Both of those teams need, need one wing defender. I don't think this is the year that they split up CJ and Dame, nor do I realistically think it should be that year where they split up. I would never split them. I would never split them up. (laughs) I 
think you could if it doesn't totally if it doesn't totally work this year. I think you almost have to to see if you can make it work okay. in the future with Dan. But yeah. I think it will work this year. I mean, and um, by work I mean like push a team in the second round of the playoffs. Like I think that's the standard for them now. I mean, when this team is totally healthy, it's really good. I totally right? agree with you. Yeah. Because two years ago, they were so good defensively because Nurkic was like basically all defense level on that end. Yep. He, I mean, he was like, he was just really good. And Collins uh, is a really underrated defender, too. He's really good positionally. Yeah. He's a really good backline rim protector that they need, whatever. Yep. He's in the, like, Nurkic is in the drop and he can rotate over. Like, Having Collins on the backside is very useful. They have the upside plays with Anthony Simons and Nasir Little that they hope can pan out. Uh, they have the number 16 overall pick this year, and they have Gary Trent as well, who I think Gary Trent's awesome. Like, I think he's really good. Uh, you know, the funny, the funny thing is, you know, I, I'm saying wing defender, wing defender, wing defender, and Gary Trent locks up like he is a terrific defender. He Except tries. For he's only about six no, I think he's yeah. really good. Now, he's not a stopper like, though. Like he's a good not, defender. It, he's not. A it stopper. was not fair to put him on LeBron James in the first round of the playoffs. That was not fair. Um, but, but, but here's the thing, though. Like, this is why they need the wing defender, right? They need someone who can take those tough matchups because at the end of the right. day. You know, it's not fair to have to have him chase around James Harden. It's not fair to have to have him deal with Kawhi Leonard. It's not fair to have to have him deal with Luka Doncic, right? Because he's just not as big as those guys at the end of the day. Right. 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 Um, he works his ass off, and I think he is a good defender. He's not a great defender, though, and that's what they need. They need someone that can take those tough matchups. Maybe it is Ariza. Um, I'm skeptical of that, but... Maybe, maybe it is. It's not a reason anymore. He's not the same level. I mean, Ariza's still a passable defender, but if you get him in the space, it becomes real difficult for him. Um, but I, I do think, you know, I, I do think that, that Portland is in a spot where they can make a, a pretty massive leap, uh, next year. I mean, I legitimately think that Dame's one of the top ten players in the league. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think so he was a top five player this year. He might have been, you know. So they're they're going to be able to score. They just got to be able to stop people, and you know, and I think that I think they'll get enough stops defensively um, in the regular season, at least that that they're going to be, you know. Uh, really difficult to, to, to play against. And I think they're going to be a real headache. Um, you know, and I, I think if they get somebody like, okay, if they get to 16 and Sadiq Bay is there, I'm yeah. taking Sadiq Bay. No question. And I'm plugging him in because he's plug and play for them. I totally agree with you that that's the route that I would go. In the last three years, it's not the route that Neil Olshay has tended to go. Uh, they tend to take these younger players like Anthony Simons, Nasir Little, Gary Trent. They like to go upside hunting. Zach Collins is another mm-hmm. example, right? Um, I don't think that they've drafted anyone who wasn't a freshman or in Simons' case, a prep player. Uh, 
in three years. Mm-hmm. Basically, mm-hmm. since they drafted Caleb Swanigan, I think. But Swanigan was also like the age of a freshman because he was a 19 year old sophomore. And Swanigan was also like the third of, they had like three first round picks that year, didn't they? Yes, sort of. They had multiple for sure. Correctly. Yeah, cause, well, they had, um, they had 15, 20, and 26, and then I think they traded 15 and 20 to move up to 10 to get Collins. Yeah. Um, they've got some, they've got some questions. I thought Anthony Simons, Simons regressed in year two. Um, yeah. Um, I, maybe, I maybe we set the expectations too high for him. A little bit. Yeah. I don't know that he you got know. worse. Like, I, he played most of their games this year and was somewhat passable at times. Yeah. But and for a guy that played it like 19 and 20, it. like, that's okay, I think. He was he was barely rotational in the playoffs. That's true. For them. And, you know, um, what do you do with Rodney Hood? He's coming off of, 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 of a major injury. Um, I think they'll bring back Carmelo Anthony. Um, you know, and what do you do with Caleb Swan again? Or maybe that's not a, maybe that's not really a question. Um, I, I don't know that it matters. Like, I, I mean, they can bring him back. Matter. They cannot bring him back. Like, I'm not, yeah, I'm not sweating it either way, you know? What do you do in free agency if you're Portland? So, yeah, I think that, like, you brought up Mo Harkless's name earlier. I brought up Justin Holiday's name earlier. I think you try and go and get, like, a guy like that. Obviously, they've had Harkless before. Um, the guy that I've been looking at for them for a while is Thad Young. And it's hard for me to make the money work because... You could do it for Trevor Ariza, but that's like a lateral move at the end of the day, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I would like to figure out a way to trade Rodney Hood and like Mario Hazonia's money. That gets you up to eight, and you'd have to add like something else in mm-hmm. for that young. Hmm. The the I reason like young. Yeah, the reason I bring up young is because we've mentioned this like tough, stronger wing defender. He was I think just he checked out, it seemed like in Chicago, because what a nightmare that situation was last year. I think um, I think you could see that coming a mile away. Unfortunately, yes. But I didn't and still bet on them to win more than 35 games last year. Cause if there's one thing I am, it's dumb. Uh, and, and when I say see that come a mile away, I'm not saying because of, you know, saying that to disparage the roster. I'm saying that just because just kind of came down to who the coach was last year. Yeah. You're disparaging the coach, which I'm comfortable with. I mean, listen, I, listen, I, you're not, not disparaging the coach. I'm not, not disparaging the coach, but I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying, 
<laughs> um, it yeah, like I, I like the idea of someone like Thaddeus Young there, though. Uh, a stronger guy who can take on those tougher, stronger matchups like Kawhi, like LeBron, etc. Um, Danilo Gallinari, like, I guess makes sense because he would really help them space the floor. They would become just an offensive juggernaut at that point. But I, I mean, know. they'd be playing a lot of 135, 130 games. Yeah, that, that's what I'd be worried about. Uh, I mean, if. if if Brooklyn's not going to pick up Garrett Temple's deal, like Garrett Temple intrigues me there a, a little bit, even though he's Garrett, more of Garrett a, Temple honestly intrigues me for the Jazz. Yeah, I agree. Like, I, I think they, sh- I think the the Nets should just like pay Garrett Temple. I don't uh, think they want to though. I don't think they can. Yeah, like they're they're up against it with having to resign yeah. Joe Harris. Um, yes. But yeah, like if I was them, I would look at Garrett Temple, even though he's like more of a guard wing defender than like a wing four defender. Yes. Um, by the way, I would look at him if I was uh, Denver Nuggets too. Like I would I look Garrett at him Temple's. if I were the Denver Nuggets. Absolutely. Yeah, and like this isn't to overrate Garrett Temple. Like he's a really solid, good defensive rotation player now. Um, and he's a hell of a locker room guy. Yeah, like everyone in the NBA genuinely loves Garrett Temple that I've ever spoken to in my life. Um, it's, it's hard to find, like, the, the deal that I've been trying to come up with is Aaron Gordon. And that is one that I would move Trevor Ariza for pretty easily. Like, do Trevor Ariza and Rodney Hood to match the money? And then I would probably move 16 pretty easily for Aaron Gordon. That should not be enough to get Aaron Gordon. Probably not, but I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, guess, I guess, like, I just don't know what Orlando's move is. Like, I don't know well, what right, their plan is. Right now, if I'm Orlando, Aaron Gordon is is just suddenly became more valuable to me because I lost John, John because I lost Jonathan. Sure, but like, you've lost Jonathan Isaac. So now you're going to try and, and make I've, the playoffs in a better Eastern Conference next year with. Markel Fultz, maybe Yvonne Fournier, Aaron Gordon, and Nikola Vucevic with Terrence Ross trying to get buckets all day? <laughs> well, the problem is Jonathan Isaac ha- has yet to prove that he can stay healthy. So how do I know he's going to stay healthy even when he comes back? Yeah. And then on top of that, you know, I've I've basically lost him for all of next year regardless. Like, he's not coming back this year. I don't think so. I... I- if I'm Orlando, like I've said this previously, if I was Orlando, I would blow it up and just like rebuild around Fulton, Isaac, and pray that Bamba turns into something. But, and like, look, there were some like reasonable signs of growth for Bamba at one point last year. But yeah, like if I, if I was Orlando, I'd be looking to do the best I could for Aaron Gordon while I can, while he has two years left on that deal and see him where it goes. You know, as 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 good as Vucevic was, I mean, you can make a real case that I mean his presence is really stunning Bomba's growth. I think that Bomba has to prove that he can like really consistently get minutes before we start going down that road, to be honest. But you don't know I mean it's a chicken or the egg theory. You don't know unless he gets the consistent minutes. 
and he yeah. can't get to, and he can't get the consistent minutes because Vooch is there and he's going to play, you know, however many minutes that he plays a game, thirty-four minutes a night. I, I get it, but even in the minutes we've seen from Bamba, it's been more. He does some things well for three minute bursts and then like misses a few rotations and like is slow getting back in transition and stuff like that. Like, right. I'd need to see it more consistently before I go down the road of I'm moving Nikola Vucevic because Mo Bamba is ready for more minutes. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Agree. But like, if a good team offered me something real for Vucevic, I would say, okay, let's, let's look. Let's talk. Uh, like, I, I don't think he's uh, immovable. I just, like, I'm not trying to move him because Mo Bamba is, you know, breaking down the front door to the starting center role either. Right. Um, but yeah, Gordon, I think this is the summer to move him. Well, he has two years. If he has one year left on that deal, I think he's less valuable. Maybe it's a deadline move as well. Like maybe it's they struggle to start the year next year and Aaron Gordon, you get him for two playoff runs. Right. Maybe, maybe that makes more sense. But like, if, if I'm, do you think you get a lottery pick for Aaron Gordon for two years? Plus I mean, bird rights? I don't know. Maybe see. Maybe it's because I, maybe I have a higher opinion of Aaron Gordon than most. I think he's really good, and I think he's still he's still pretty young. And I think that if you put him in a winning situation, he's going to really impact winning. Um, because yeah. of the things that he does, he's miscast in Orlando. Like in Orlando. I agree. You got him handling the basketball. You got him like basically in your number two score. He's not that. You want him in a position where he's the number three guy, where he's an elite athlete on both ends of the floor, an elite defender on both ends of the floor. I mean, an elite defender. And he, he helps you. Like if you, if you dropped him in Utah right now and put him at the power forward spot, Utah's really freaking good. And he's going to get 15 tonight. 15 and 8 without even trying, without even, without you even having to run a play for him. You know, so knowing that, I just think that he's, he, he should have a lot of value. And I think, uh, I think Orlando should, should ask for a lot for him. I agree they should ask for a lot, but like just even like run through the lottery teams this year, right? I mean, maybe that's Phoenix. Like, maybe if you're Phoenix, that's the move. He would really help Phoenix. Like, maybe maybe it's number 10 and something for Aaron Gordon. I don't think Phoenix Phoenix. is interested in that for what it's worth. Like Phoenix is doing a lot of work into point guards in this draft, but nonetheless. Um, Man, if you're like, I just, you know, I know we're supposed to be talking about the Northwest division. I know this is going a lot, a lot of ways and I love the way it does, 
But man, I, I just look at Phoenix and like they're in a good spot, man. They're really flexible this summer with what they can do. Like and could dog. like really make a leap. There's there there are world there's a world that I can imagine where Phoenix can be on the board at number ten and Isaac freaking Okoro is on the board. Yeah, I mean that that'd be that'd be great. <laughs> or Pat or Patrick Williams. I think I'd Tyrese be surprised if Pat Williams was there now. But. No, I think Pat Williams is gonna go closer to five now. But you know, or kill you know I mean or Kangu. I mean like they're like they're gonna look up at ten with all of this talent that they have, and there's gonna be somebody really talented there for them. Yep. I think they, for what it's worth, will go point guard, but it'll, it'll depend too on like, can they figure Are out? Are you saying this? that Ricky is not enough? No, I'm saying Ricky is not enough. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, if I, if I was Phoenix and Orlando is like, I will do number 10 for Aaron Gordon. I would. I don't know that I'd do that if I were Phoenix. I mean, like, what if Devin Vassell was there? I think Aaron Gordon's better at basketball, but I get like I think Vassell will be there for what it's worth. Yeah. Um. I I think Aaron's a better basketball player than. What if Halliburton is? is there? I would probably take. Tyrese for, you know, potentially eight years versus Aaron Gordon for two years of team control. I'd probably take Tyrese. I think how I think Tyrese can play right away. There's the physical concern there, but yeah, I agree. I think I think skill wise, I think maturity wise, I think he can play right now. Generally agree. Um, But I'm fascinated with Phoenix this summer. They're one of the teams that I think can make a real leap. Uh, like a, a very substantial, strong lead. Um, yeah, like you know, like I said, I I think Patrick Williams. Okay, if you're let, taking a bet, let's hold on the uh, draft stuff for a minute. Uh, let's and, yeah, let's hold on the draft because I I do have a, a think I I have a think piece. Okay, go ahead. Okay, let let's go to Denver last. Uh, Denver is fascinating because I think they're genuinely star hunting right now. Okay, so do you take do you take um, Michael Porter Jr. and Gary Harris, and do you offer for Brad Beal and a first round pick? I do that if I am Denver. I don't think Washington would do that because I think Washington wants to take Bradley Beal into next season. I'm worried about Michael Porter Jr. because I think he is a star. Um, I think he is a potential star, but I don't think that he's a potential star that's going to be okay with being the third guy behind Jamal Murray and Nikola, Nikola Jokic. You already, I, I like, you know, the stuff in the bubble, then yeah, you got to get me involved. All that stuff, like 
Murray and Jokic are super young. Both of those guys are super young. It's might be the best pick and roll combination in the league already. And as long as those two are together, everybody else is going to be secondary. Is Michael Porter Jr. going to be okay with that? The man has got to get shots up on the court because he sure as shit is not getting the shots off the court. <laughs> yes. I get it. Uh, if I was them, I would be willing to offer him for Drew Holiday. If I was New Orleans and I could potentially try and offload him to a third team because like, I don't like the idea of Porter with Brandon Ingram and Zion. And I would rather have those two than Michael Porter personally. Uh, that's Michael Porter is probably the single best asset that New Orleans can acqu- or could theoretically acquire for Drew Holiday. Now, Denver, it seems like, has been clear that they won't offer Michael Porter. I think that Zach Lowe wrote that, and I buy that. If I was Denver, I would be willing to do that because I think that Drew Holiday pushes me into a different level. I think that I then become like in the tier with the Lakers with Drew Holiday. I'm not giving Michael Porter up unless it's for Bradley Beal. Is uh, I Drew would, Holiday I would, a better player right now than Bradley Beal? Uh, um, no, he's not. So Bradley, Bradley's special. I, if Bradley Beal is my number one player on my team, I agree with that. If we're talking about a number three option on my team. I might rather have Drew Holiday. There's, there's, there's definitely, you can make an, you can make that argument. And by the way, like Bradley because, Beal would be number two on Denver. Like he would slot ahead of Jamal Murray, I guess. Would he? I think, I think so. I mean, I really like Jamal a lot based off of what we saw in the bubble, but. We have a track record of Bradley Beal being better than Jamal Murray, I think. Well, at minimum, you're going to have to find an equal amount of touches for all three. You would have to find an equal amount of touches for all three of those guys on a team where that wasn't the way they were. That's not the way they've been fundamentally built for the last three years. And so this is a team at, that's at, been built with right. unselfishness in mind, you know? Right. And yeah. you've already seen Michael Porter Jr. come in and and just basically challenge that in the middle of freaking playoff series. Yeah. I, I mean, trying to find the landing spot. And look, they're not trying to find a landing spot for Michael Porter, I don't think. I, I potentially would be. But, like, I... His stock seems very high right now to me as someone he's really that people like he's really good offensively. Just really, really, really good. Like he is a an outstanding shot maker and he's got outstanding confidence. And to his credit, he can back that up. And there's a chance but, that he will blow up into the stratosphere next year. Like as a player, like he could average 20 a night next year. Could he? 
I don't I think see. so. <laughs> okay, so you're you're now reintegrating Will Barton. And you know, and Will Barton is an extremely ball in hand guy. Yeah. See, that's the thing. That's the thing that people didn't realize. I mean, that's the thing that people don't talk about. You know, yeah, Michael Porter Jr. blew up in the bubble, but that was because Will Barton wasn't there. Will was there. Michael Porter Jr. might not have been on the floor. I think that you can probably get 10 points from Michael Porter per game just in transition and off of back cuts with Jokic. And that, you know, and and I'm glad that you mentioned that because... You know, I, I wish that, that MPJ would realize that about himself. Like, oh my God, I am elite at moving without the basketball because he is. Yep. He's super moving without the basketball. He is a smart and effective and efficient cutter, back cutter. And yep. then on top of that, then on top of that, he's an elite offensive rebounder. Yep. You know, and. But his self-awareness, like, he was just like, nope, give me the rock. I want the ball in my hands. Like, when you get the ball, when you grab a defensive rebound and Jokic is asking you for an outlet pass, like, here, give me the ball, outlet, and you wave him off and dribble the ball up the floor yourself. It's like the video from, like, seven or eight years ago, it seems like, when Blake Griffin was impersonating Austin Rivers. It was just yes. like waving them off, waving them off. No, I got this. I got this. In the middle of a playoff series. <laughs> and he, you're a rookie. He, that's the thing. He was a rookie. This is not going to get better. And he's really good. Like, here's the other thing. Is and really that's good. the thing. He's really good. Like, he's really, really, really good. That, that's the thing. Like, let's, 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 let's make this clear. Like, he's really good. Like, he, there's a, there's a chance that, that he's, there's a chance that he's right. Like, that's the, the best part about this whole thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he might actually be right. <laughs> he legit might be right that he's that good. He probably is, to be honest. Right. That's what he's I'm really saying. He's really but talented. it's just, I just can't wrap my head around like you got like Nikola Jokic, first team All NBA center, best top five passer in the league, top ten or so playmaker in the league. Nope, go go down the floor and post up, big man. I got you. <laughs> and this is rookie Michael Porter Jr. Think about this in year four. I'm concerned already. So that, that's, that's what I'm saying. So you got to answer, you got to answer that if you're Denver. I, if I was them, I, I think I might pull the trigger this summer. I might. Okay. So what, what roster changes do they make? Uh, I think, I don't think they make that one for what it's worth. I don't think they make that one for what it's worth. Um, yeah. you can't give up on, on MPJ that quickly. No. Um, I think Paul Millsap is gone. Yeah, I think they pick one of him or Grant to bring back. Oh, they're picking Grant. 
Unless so, Jeremy gets, do, unless Jeremy gets like sixteen million a year from Atlanta or some shit. What you can do is you you let Paul walk, Grant's in your starting lineup, and then you put MPJ in your starting lineup. So your starting lineup looks like uh, Murray Harris, MPJ, Jeremy Grant, and Nikola Jokic, and Will Barton is your super sub off the bench. It's a good six. It's a really good six plus Monte Morris. Monte Morris makes you a really good seven. Um, and then from there, Mason makes you a really good eight. If he comes back. If he comes back. Uh, and then, you know, if Bowl Bowl, if Bowl, you know, or PJ Dozier, if one of those guys, and obviously, you still have Tory Craig. Yeah. I like PJ Dozier for what it's worth. I really thought he. I thought he played well a, in the playoffs. Yeah, he's taken a bit of a leap to where he's a real rotation player now yeah. for a good team. Um, <laughs> if I'm them, I'm trying to consolidate a little bit. If I can. If there is a way for me to do Gary Harris a first and like Monte Morris for a good player. I'm probably going to try and do that. I'm not trading Gary Harris. I thought he absolutely 100% won the series for Denver against the Utah jazz. Turned the entire series around. But if the, if the choice is like I can get drew holiday by involving Gary Harris in a deal, I'm doing that. Yeah. The the interesting one for me for them is are they potentially an Oladipo team? Uh I think that's a bad fit. Why? I, I don't think I even disagree with you. I'm just like why? What because he's not a great shooter and he's very ball in hand. Yeah. My my favorite guy for them, if San Antonio was willing to go down this road somehow, I would love for them to get Derek White. I think Derek White is like a perfect fit for that team. For Denver? Yes. I love Derek White for Denver. And if San Antonio decides, look, we've paid DeJounte Murray... That's our like lead guard of the future. We have Lonnie Walker. We don't want to give Derek White more than, you know, $12 million a year, which he should get way more than that. That's an interesting one for me. Like what, what the Spurs do this summer? Could the Spurs decide to like really blow this, blow it up a little bit? Or do they just keep it together? Well, there's the rumor that that DeMar doesn't want to come back. But I don't know Which how they get denied, off of that. I want to say as well. Right. He's denied. I don't know how they get off of that money anyway. Um, I mean, if he really doesn't want to come back, it's it's his call. He has a player option. He does have a player option. He's, he's in the Gordon. But who's turning down $30 million? Yeah, I wouldn't. But just saying. Um, 
San Antonio's in, I mean, right now, I mean, you know, I think they're good enough to, to still make a run for the playoffs. God, the West is going to be really, really deep next year. Yeah. DeRozan, Aldridge, Derek White, DeJounte Murray, like Lonnie Walker, Jakob Pertle, if they bring him back, plus Gay and Mills. That team's probably not a playoff team. If you're the Utah Jazz, do you offer Jakob Pertle 2-12? Yeah, but San Antonio will match that. Like, I, I would love right. to do that, but, like, San Antonio matches that. I thought you were going to say, if you're the Utah Jazz, do you try and acquire La, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge? How? I mean, you could do something like, like, if you think Donovan is a point guard, maybe you could do Mike Conley and something else. Or Mike Conley for LaMarcus and something else. Okay, so you're getting barbecued on the other end because you got to play LaMarcus at the four. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying it's a good idea, Tony. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm just like, okay. You know, you got to play LaMarcus at the four, and teams are just like coming down salivating because LaMarcus is at the four, and you can just get him in the space and go right by him. Yeah, but then they're getting him into space and going right by him and meeting Rudy at the rim, though. Yes, that is true. And the Jazz thought that that was going to work this year, and it didn't. They went from, like, the second-best defensive team in the league to, like, the 13th-best defensive team in the league. Yeah, that's a fair point. I accept that. Um, So now they realize that, you know, Rudy is, like, the best defensive player in the world when he just only has to do his job. But right. then when you like ask him to do his job and then you ask him to do somebody else, everybody else's job, which is what they asked him to do this year, then your defense kind of takes a dip. And then not only that, Rudy gets pissed off because he's like, I'm doing your job and you, you guys aren't giving me the ball on the other end of the floor. Right. Right. Yeah, that's reasonable. Um, getting back to Denver. So, I think... Do, no way they're I, I, a LaMarcus team, by the way, either, right? No, they they can't be a LaMarcus team. But I do think Denver's one of the three best teams in, in the West. See, I, I think that they are... Unless, unless this Jamal burst is, like, real, and he is legitimately what he was in the playoffs. And I think there's a real chance that that's true. I want to see it outside of the bubble before I like officially make that designation. Right. Um, if he's not that though, if he's just Jamal Murray or even a slightly better version of Jamal Murray from the regular season versus supernova Jamal Murray, they're in a tier with like Utah, Houston, Dallas, I think in Portland. See, I think Utah and, and, and Denver. And Golden State, by the way, too, because Golden State will be real next year. I think Utah and Denver are better than Houston and Dallas. And this is depending on what happens in the offseason. Right. But I, I would, I would take Utah, both Utah and Denver before Houston and Dallas. Now, the question is, the question I, I ask you, 
I have my own opinion on Donovan Mitchell, but I want to hear what, how much do you think Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell's bubble performance translates to next season? Yeah, you know, kind of the same deal with Jamal as Donovan, right? I think I trust Donovan a little bit more than I do Jamal just because he's an unbelievable playoff performer and has been like throughout the course of his career. I want to see Jamal do that outside of the bubble where Jamal has been great in specific games, but a little bit more inconsistent in other games uh, when he's been outside of the bubble in the playoffs. I mean, look, the answer is, I don't know how much of it is real. Cause I, I don't know if the bubble was real life in terms of basketball. Like I, we might've been living like in a fugue state fever dream, Tony, when the bubble. Well, I, I think so. Donovan Mitchell shot like 60% on off the dribble pull up threes. And that's not sustainable. No. You know, that, you know, the, the, the difference between the bubble and, you know, real life, so to speak, real life basketball, so to speak, is there's no backdrop in the bubble. It's like being in a church. Yep. Everything goes in in church. And then when you get out into an arena and it's open space, it's, just, it's a little bit different. Um, I, I, you know, my trust level for Donovan in terms of the translation is around 95% because, and this is just because me, I've, I've covered him for four years. But I, you know, I've, I've seen firsthand how hard he works. Like he legit works like he does nothing but play basketball. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, not, you know, so I, I think that he's going to come back and he's, you know, he's going to be significantly better than last year because he came back last year and he was significantly better than the year before. And he was significantly better the year before than he was as a rookie. Yep. So, you know. Yeah, I, I would bet on Donovan more than I would bet on Murray, to be honest. Um, but it, it, it is, you know, it's interesting. And, you know, the better Donovan gets, I mean, the better the Jazz get. And, you know, because, and we know how good Nikola Jokic was. And the reason why Denver made that leap in the bubbles because Jamal Murray went Super Saiyan on us. Yeah. So, yeah, look, I think Denver's in a better spot because I think that Jokic is like much better than Rudy. Uh, I don't really even think it's close anymore uh, in terms of like playoff value from a player. And that's not to say that Rudy isn't like a top 30 player in the league. I think he's incredible. Right. But. Jokic is just like a totally different beast. Like you look at his performance in elimination games, like that guy is that guy is a chance to be like a top 30 player of all time. Whereas Rudy is going to go down as like one of the great defenders, but probably not a top 100 player of all time. Um, so I thought in real time, I thought Rudy, you know, I, I think for when you look at, what Jokic did to the Clippers and then, you know, what he was doing to the Lakers until they, they figured some stuff out and, and, and kind of got him a little bit under control. I thought Rudy played Jokic as well as anybody did in the playoffs. 
Um, Agree. And I think out of the seven game series, I thought it was relatively close. Like I thought Rudy outplayed Jokic in about two or three games. And then I think Jokic kicked Rudy's ass in three or four games. But even that being said, Jokic still hit two, two, two game winners in that seven game series. Like the Jazz legit lost multiple games in that series because Rudy could not get one stop on Jokic and ISO situation. Yeah, the last four games for, well, no, Let, let's just do the whole series numbers for Jokic because they're fucking outrageous. Uh, 26, 8, and 5 on 51 from the field, 48 from three, and 85 from the line. Like, that's insane. It's absolutely insane. Uh, in the last four games of that series, it was 28, 8, and 6 on 53, 48, and 100% from the line. Like, Andy made the game winner in two of those games. Like, it, right. I mean, the guy is, or one of the, he only made the game winner in one of those games, if I remember correctly. Um, just, there, there, there's a, they're in a different tier at the end of the day. Those two. Well, Jokic, to me, separated himself as, without a question, the best center in the league. Yeah. Like, it's going into going into the 2021 NBA season, like, there's no question, 100%, Jokic is the best center in the league, and everybody else is vying for the number two spot. Yeah, like I even used to be someone that made the Joel Embiid is better than Nikola Jokic case. Uh, that that case does not exist anymore. No, it doesn't exist anymore. No. But I mean, I had all three. I had I had Rudy Jokic and 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 Embiid. You know, basically in the same tier, and it's like okay for whatever you whatever you need on that team. I mean, it could go either way, but. Jokic's playoff performance, I mean, that, that's done. Like, he, he's number one. He's without a question the best center in the league. So, you know, you know, who's number two? I mean, do you want to go Bam? Do you want to go Embiid? Do you want to go Rudy? Who's number three? Do you want to go Bam? Do you want to go Embiid? Do you want to go Rudy? Same thing with number four. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the, that's the difference between Utah and Denver for me right now. Is that Utah's best player is worse than Nikola Jokic. And Nikola Jokic is a genuine top like eight player, top ten player in the NBA, depending on how Steph and KD look coming back. So do you think that it makes any difference that Boyan Bogdanovich is back? I really like Boyan. Uh I think he's an awesome offensive player. I want to see him in a playoff series on this Utah team to see how it works. That's fair. Uh, he was good in Indiana. Like, I think that it went kind of underrated, uh, how good he was as a playoff player with the Pacers. Uh, and he's always just been like a total monster for Croatia in like best on best tournaments. So I think it'd probably be fine, but I want to see how the fit works, especially because he'll be 32 next year. Uh, the big, the biggest yeah. thing for me with Boyan is that not having him wasn't so much not having him that hurt. It it was just that everybody had to move up a spot, right? Yep. So, 
well, Joe and, Ingles had Joe frankly, Ingles had to do right. Boyan Boyan averaged twenty points a game last year on forty five forty one ninety. Like and that was insane. Yeah, and he did like, it on a bum rest. Yeah, he was like everyone freaked out about Chris Middleton last year, and rightfully so. Like Chris Middleton was incredible, and he was better than Boyan last year. But it wasn't that far. Like it was, Chris Middleton was better, but it wasn't that much better on the offensive end. You know, and that that's the thing. Like I think with for the Jazz with continuity and getting Boyan back, if they get one more piece, one more rotation piece, if they find one more legit rotation piece, I think they're going to be really good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Boyan is a top 50, top 60 player in the league. Like, probably a top 50 guy. So, having, having a top 50 guy in the league and reintegrating him to Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, like, that's it's pretty enormous, being able to do that. So, you know, my thing for me is, you know, where do you look at the Western Conference? Like, do you look at it in tiers? Do you look at, um, do you look at, you know, do you, is it the Lakers and everybody else? Is it, do, do the Clippers, do the Clippers join that tier? Uh, and, and, and do the Warriors join that tier? I think I would say it's the Lakers at the top and I would have them in a tier on my own or on their own. I would say the Clippers, Warriors. Uh, I'd probably throw Denver in that tier. Man, it's close. Really close. And then I, I do. I think I said this the other way earlier, but I haven't thought about it. I think I would put the Lakers in a tier on their own. I would say the Clippers, Warriors, and Denver. And then I would say Utah, Portland, Dallas, and Houston. That's close. I think that's how I would go with it right now. That is really a close. disgusting top eight, by the way. Like we talked <laughs> glowingly about Phoenix so far. And they might not make the playoffs. Yeah, like we haven't even Minnes- talked about Memphis. Memphis looked really good throughout, like large swaths of last year. The Pelicans, I would think, want to try and take a leap because they have maybe the highest upside player in the league in Zion Williamson. If he gets in shape. If he gets in shape. And by the way, even. Zion Williamson out of shape over the course of his last like 10 games before the bubble started was averaging like 26 and nine. Yeah. As a, and then, as he, a 19 and then he was in, but then he was in worse shape than that. And that, that was where I got really concerned. Yeah. I mean, Zion Williamson was 19 years old last year and averaged 23.6 rebounds and two assists while shooting 58% from the field. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm good with where Zion's at. <laughs> like, see, and I want to see Zion reaches ceiling, the ceiling that he has. And, yeah. you know, like 
as somebody who, you know, I have to always watch my weight. You know, he's, yeah. he's gotta be like, I think he's gotta be cognizant of his weight at all times, every minute of his career. Yep. He's gotta be very disciplined about it. And I guess what I keep coming back to with Zion is if I would have told you prior to the season, not knowing any of the context around it, the Zion comes into the NBA and averages 23, six and two on 59% from the field. What would your response, what would your response have been? I'd be like, I'm, I'm cool with that. That's really, that's, that's a good rookie season. Yeah. Like, but the problem is we, we all watch these seasons though. Yeah. We did. You know, and that's, and that's the thing. And like, I just think that if he, you know, got down to a chisel 265, stayed there. I mean, we're talking about somebody who just dominates the league for years and years and years. Yeah. Like bouncier Charles Barkley. Yeah. Like. All right. We're going to cut off the first part of this very long podcast there. Like I said, we'll be back in two days with the second part of this podcast where Tony and I dove deep into the NBA draft this season talking about a bunch of different players uh throughout and really jumped around in a pretty real substantial way so keep it locked here we'll be back in a couple of days to finish this conversation but until next time we'll talk soon bye